Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Electronic Gentleman Podcast. I'm Derek Sample, flying solo today without Eric since we're having a special guest on. David Hergert is joining us today. He has been CORE's financial advisor since day one, and um, he's been with us through all of the different progressions and changes that we've made along the way. I think it's going to be really interesting to hear his advice to new business owners. And we're going to cover a lot of different topics about cash reserves and corporate structure, retirement, that sort of thing. So I'm going to give him a call and we are going to um, have a chat. Hi, Derek. This is David. Hey, David. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you. Good. First of all, I thought uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of background on you. I know that you're at Ameriprise now, but um, how did you get involved in this uh, line of work? Right. Um, My father actually owned this business before me, and he was getting to, you know, he was 75 years old, and he didn't really have a way to get out of the business. Uh, You know, there was value to the business, but not in terms of uh, physical assets. It was all just, uh, you know, his reputation in the community, uh, his goodwill, so to speak. So he was looking for a way to get out. I was looking for, um, a change from my previous career, which was a police officer. I was looking for something that, you know, had a little better hours and uh, a little safer. So I worked in the business with him for a couple of years and then learned about the business, slowly transferred, you know, information over. And then after a couple of years, I uh, bought the business from him. Uh, That was back in 2010. Um, And then I worked this business by myself uh, for a few years. I had an assistant. And then I sold my business to another couple fellows who worked at Ameriprise. And uh, so I've been on the kind of the the sales end and the purchase end of this business. And now I'm actually an employee and I work for them. Oh, I got you. That's, uh, I did actually, I'm glad I asked that because there's a lot of that that I didn't know. For instance, I didn't know that you were a police officer. That had to have been a, a drastic change. That's right. I, I did have a finance degree from college a long time ago, <laughs> but yeah, for 11 years I was a policeman and I didn't use it. So I, I finally got to get back into it and uh, it's it's been a really great experience. Well, that's awesome. Well, it's um, your advice has been really helpful for us. So I thought we could um, kind of go through some, some um, key topics here and then I'll kind of bring up um, some things and then let you kind of expound. Um, so you know, obviously this podcast is focused on small business. Um, we're a, you know, a remote consulting business. So we, um, we're not all located in one office as most of our listeners know by now, but I think the advice that you're going to be able to provide today would be for any small business. Um, it's been, you know, you're in Houston right now. I'm in Dallas. We do have several people in Houston and then the rest of us are spread out all over the place. So I think as we've grown, you know, our needs have grown and changed. And um, I think it's been really helpful having you involved to kind of grow with us and um, advise us on things we can do to make things better. So first off, I think one of the things that any new business needs to be thinking about are cash reserves and cash flow. What are your thoughts on cash reserves and what should people be looking at before they actually jump out and start going out on their own? Right. Whenever somebody starts their own business, initially cash flow could be non-existent or it could be irregular. 
And that just means that you need to have a big war chest uh, just in case that you go for some time without making a profit or, um, you know, there are periods where uh, the, the money doesn't come in regularly. One of the main reasons restaurants actually fail is because of a lack of emergency cash reserves. Um, I would recommend anybody who opening a business, you know, expect to go possibly six months without uh, making a profit or, you know, possibly um, any revenue. I know around here I've seen in Houston, I've seen a couple of restaurants uh, go under just because, you know, we've had some sort of hurricane or you know, something unexpected like that, which really, you know, through no fault of the business owner, uh, that something like that can really uh, depress sales for quite some time. And the business owner better have uh, cash reserves to access for that time. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Um... It, you really do have to plan for the unexpected. You know, you can put together a business plan and talk about, you know, what your projections are going to be over a given period of time. But it's so important. You know, I know we've been in that situation where, you know, either business slows down. Um, it's just uh, events happen. And um, so six months, you know, sounds like a like certainly like a good plan. And, you know, we went into this without that. And, um, you know, it was a struggle. We were fortunate enough to get some, um, big clients right off the bat, but, um, if we hadn't, you know, it would have been uh, particularly challenging. Now I will say that when we started core, we did not take salaries for several months. So, um, I guess to some extent, there's a little bit of that that comes into play there, but, uh, certainly would have been better if we'd have gone in with a a pile of money, or at least a reasonable, uh, reasonable pile of money. That's right. Even the retirement plan that we set up for y'all initially was one that didn't require uh, committed money to go into it. It was kind, of, it was very flexible and allowed y'all, you know, if money, if cash flow was good at a certain time, then we could put more money into the retirement plan. If not, then we could stop it. So, yeah, there was some thought process going into that. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, that that that's something that we can talk about later too. Is you know, we started with a, uh, a simple IRA uh, for our employees, and then we've um, moved on to a 401k. And we can talk about kind of like um, the pros and cons and, and what we started with and what we ended up with. So before we do that, we've talked a little bit about cash reserves now. Now, as far as um, contingency planning, um, you know, that's probably, again, not at the top of people's lists when they're thinking about what they're going to need to run a company. Uh, they're thinking, you know, just about the business itself and um, not about what happens in catastrophic events. What are your thoughts? Yeah, th this is definitely not a fun thing to think about when you're starting a new business, but you do have to think about, uh, especially if you have a family or people who depend on you, what happens if you become disabled or you pass away? Um, we'll go more into corporate structures later, which kind of relates to that, but you know, those are two uh, you know, huge possibilities that could happen. And you just want to make sure that who's ever in this with you is taken care of uh, if those were to happen. Uh, but, yeah, not fun to think about, but definitely need to be planned on. Yeah, and, you know, we, um, we've had a couple of different um, operating agreements for our company. We had one when we started. Um, we had one that was modified from that. And we're actually looking at modifying it again. And I think as your company changes, you have to keep on top of that and make sure that if your structure changes or if the situation changes or the dynamic changes, you have to be able to account for that and kind of make sure that your plan evolves to meet those needs. 
And we're actually um, going to be talking to you about that in the near future about, okay, well, now that we're X, what do we need to do to account for that in our operating agreement? So I do think it's important that you periodically monitor that. And it's not necessarily once you start with something that that has to be the way it ends up if things change. That's right. Because ideally, you're, over time, your business is growing in value. So in the beginning, it may just be the money that you put into the business. But uh, you know, at some point, hopefully, uh, you know, a big portion of your assets, your net worth is tied into that business. And absolutely, it needs to be revisited occasionally uh, to keep up with that. So what are your thoughts on, on corporate structure? You know, when I, um, before I was part of core, I had a small business and I was, um, it was really just me. Uh, there was another point in time where I had me and another guy and we always, um, ran with, uh, either an LLC. I think that we were an LLC taxed as an S corp because I just always had heard about partnerships and, um, just individual proprietorship. And I kind of got the impression that there was more protection when you had an LLC or a corporation. Um, and, um, so I just kind of wanted to, anybody that's thinking about starting a business has to make that decision right off the bat. And, uh, just thought I'd get your thoughts on that. So the, you discussed this previously, uh, the simplest form of forming and operating a business is the sole proprietorship. The advantage of doing this is that it's very easy. Uh, pretty much, uh, at least in the state of Texas, all you have to do is you know get a DBA or doing business as name and a tax ID number at uh, little to no cost, and then you're set up and you're ready to go. Very simple to do. The downside of it, and you mentioned this uh, as far as liability, is that there is no liability protection uh, from your own personal assets. What this means is that you could you know start a business with ten thousand dollars. And then if something goes wrong and someone sues you, they could not only go after the $10,000 that you started the business with, but they could go after your personal assets as well. Uh, That's why a lot of people uh, choose to go with something with a little more protection, like you mentioned, an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, which uh, protects your personal assets from something like that happening. You also mentioned, uh, Derek, a partnership. Uh, There are general partnerships. And it's very similar to a sole proprietorship. If you just go with a basic general partnership, you and at least one other person form a partnership. There's you know very little that needs to be done. It's easy to do. But then once again, uh, the partnership, you could be uh, held liable for your own personal assets based on what you or your partner does. Also, in a general partnership, it is possible that if you were to do something outside of the business, then those people could come after your business assets or your partner's business assets. So, uh, yeah, with the sole proprietorship and general partnership, easy to set up, but you do risk the uh, liability. Um, There are also, you mentioned, limited liability corporations and S-corps or S-corporations. What those are is basically getting a little more structure to your business. There is a cost, and uh, usually through your state, there's some sort of process you go through. Uh, there's also requirements on you know, annu- annually keeping meetings and uh, having um, shareholder discussions as well as keeping notes on that. Uh, 
the advantage of that is once you do have that protection, your personal assets are protected. And if something bad were to happen in your business, you don't have to worry about that. There used to be something called a limited liability partnership, and it's still around. Uh, it's not ideal because they're in a limited liability partnership. There is one person who has full liability or could have full liability. So um, that's something to be considered. Uh, a C corporation is obviously the, the big guys. Those are what you hear about all the time with uh, large companies. Those are very large. Uh, usually, they, they don't have to be, but they are complex to set up. Uh, there is a cost to do it. Um, and then there's the risk, there's double taxation. And what that means is that in an LLC or an S Corp or a partnership or individual proprietorship, all of those, whenever the business earns money, or has expenses, though that income and those expenses pass through to the the owners uh, directly. In a C corp, it's almost like it's a separate person. Uh, their income and their expenses are just handled at the C corp. The C corp pays taxes on whatever you know income that it may have, and then if it decides to distribute dividends to the owners. Uh, then there's another level of taxation. So there there are advantages to the C-Corp, uh, but it does have to be weighed against that double taxation, uh, which can happen. Yeah, well, and and thanks for commenting on the, the corporate structure stuff generally. And we I will actually probably get one of our uh, tax guys on here to kind of go into some more intricate details on that because it is way um, confusing to me and kind of, um, you know, one, one of the reasons that we surround ourselves with folks like you guys is because... Um, if we were to try to absorb all of this information, um, we would have to become experts in all of these different fields. And we talked about that on earlier podcasts. It's just like that's, you know, putting it in the hands of the experts um, is is always a better proposition. Well, so one of the things that um, is your specialty is succession planning and figuring out kind of um planning financially for the future of the company. So if you want to go into kind of your thoughts on that and and what do we need to focus on as a small business to make sure that when it's all said and done and we're retiring or just in general keeping everything um, prepared for our families, um, what are your, uh, what's your advice on that? Right. And, and one of the funny things about succession planning is that we do give advice on it, but also a lot of people give us advice on it. Uh, as you can imagine, financial advisors uh, typically are in a uh, small business format. And a lot of times it's just one single person as the financial advisor, or there can be partnerships. So this comes up a lot with us as well. Uh, one of the things you'll see uh, with the sole proprietor is that many of us will have a buy-sell relationship with a colleague. Uh, that colleague may or may not be, you know, in the same building with us, in the same office with us. Uh, I've, I've, you know, heard about it from many different people doing it different ways. But just having a, a case where if you were to retire or you were to pass away or get disabled, like I talked about earlier, is there somebody who can buy the business? Because, uh, you know, let's say myself, for example, if I were to pass away in this business, um, you want to get some value out of this business. My wife, who does not have any knowledge about financial planning, she wouldn't know who to contact about selling my business, and she wouldn't know what a fair price was. So having that set up in advance, uh, even if it's just a 
kind of a casual or a loose uh, type of understanding can go a long way towards protecting your family um, in the event that you became deceased or disabled, or like I said, if you just want to eventually retire. Another thing that um, individuals will do is they'll have an apprentice, uh, somebody that they'll bring up through the business and then at some point have an internal buyout uh, from that apprentice. Uh, you could say that I went through this with my father, even though it was a very short apprenticeship, only a couple of years, but that's basically what I did. Uh, I joined up with him. I learned from him for a couple of years, and then at that point, I was ready to buy the business from him. Uh, these buy-sell relationships, uh, <clears throat> the funding often needs to be set up, and that can happen through, you know, if, if the owner were to become disabled or deceased, uh, having a life insurance policy or disability insurance policy could help pay for um, that buyout. And in that, in those cases, the insurance policy would probably be owned by the person who is looking to buy out the other person. Uh, that way, there would be a way to to raise that money. Uh, the other thing, is, what I did with my father is being since I didn't have the amount of money that was needed to buy this business, uh, we set up a loan through an attorney. And it was basically a 10-year uh, interest-free loan uh, that I paid to my father. And after 10 years, I was all done with that. Uh, so there are a couple different ways that you can raise money to you know, do this uh, succession planning. Uh, the other thing you have is a partnership. Um, that would probably be a little bit easier because the partners are in a position to easily uh, take over your business. But once again, you have to have funding. Um, in the event of death, disability, or um, you know, just coming up with some kind of loan payment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we're interested in because you know, if something were to happen to one of the four of us partners, you know, you would want it to be you. You kind of want to have this stuff ironed out ahead of time. And again, it's not the stuff that you like to think about, but it's like if something happens, there's going to be you know a lot of fallout with regards to handling the business itself, let alone. Um, kind of how, how does that person's share of the partnership, um, or the corporation, how is it handled? Where does it go? What is the, the monetary value and all that sort of thing? And I think that's one of the things that, um, we're trying to iron out something we should have ironed out previously, but as you know, it's a process. So. That's right. In, in retirement, you know, that's a long ways off for a lot of people, and that can be slowly planned out and carefully uh, put to to it. But death and disability, you know, those are sudden things that can happen, and they need to be taken care of uh, ahead of time. Because like you said, uh, when you have a sudden loss of somebody, the last thing you want to have to do is, uh, you know, try and work out a whole bunch of details. Yeah, absolutely. So the next section we're going to talk about is employee benefits. And, you know, I know that there are companies that start out that don't feel like they're in a position to provide um, insurance and retirement options. Um, you know, we from the beginning have uh, considered medical and health insurance um, a high priority. And so we kind of just built that into the business from day one. But the retirement plan thing came a little bit later. And um, so what are some of the considerations when a company is looking at putting together some sort of retirement plan um, for their business? 
Well, yeah, I agree with you that putting the retirement plan off a little bit, um, I think is fine, especially when you're starting a brand new business. It's really not something that needs to be thought of immediately. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, they do make several different retirement plans uh, that you can use. Uh, some start off real simple, like the simple IRA, it's in the name. And then you can get a, a little more complex and advanced as you go on. And as your business makes more money, uh, that's when you get into 401k and profit sharing. Uh, when you're weighing retirement plans, uh, you have to consider uh, you know, balancing the complexity, the cost with the benefit. If cash flow or profits aren't really high uh, and they're not very consistent, then it's not something you really have to worry about or um, look into too much. Uh, but as that starts to increase, uh, you know, th then you start looking at different retirement plans. I mentioned consistency of cash flow. Um, what that basically means is, are you making a regular profit every month, every year? Or do you have periods, uh, and many businesses have this, uh, where you can have droughts, you know, where uh, the income isn't coming in quite as much. That is a consideration for picking a retirement plan. Also, you want to think about the owner versus the employees. If it's just a single owner, uh, that you know makes it much, much easier, uh, or if you have a couple partners. But once you start to have employees, there are government regulations that protect the employees. And what that means is that you know if the owner gets something out of this retirement plan, the employee needs to get something out of this retirement plan. Uh, and then also, you want to consider it part of um, an employee uh, benefit or attractor. Meaning if you are recruiting for employees, uh, having a retirement plan, especially one where they get uh, matches or employer contributions, that can be a real selling point. Uh, so considering it part of an employee benefit, you know, like those other insurances that were Derek discussed, uh, that can be important. Uh, there are several different products that we can also talk about. Yeah, so... You know, if you're starting out, maybe it would be helpful to determine um, what would be some recommendations based on the size of the company and kind of the makeup of the company. You know, like you say, if you're if any, everybody in the company is an owner or if you, um, you know, have five people, if you have 10 people, what do you think are the factors? Um, like you say, we started with a simple IRA. What um, what do you think? is a good metric to determine what's best for a company starting out. Right. I, I think it's going back to that, um, thinking about the size of the company and then what is the primary goal of the, um, the retirement plan is the primary goal to defer from taxes as much money as possible for the owners. Uh, is the goal, uh, just to be, you know, something very simple that we can uh, put a little extra money into for retirement, uh, is the goal to uh, you know, really attract the, the top, brightest employees? Uh, figuring out those goals will go a long way towards helping you figure out which retirement plan to go into. So starting with a simple IRA, can you give a little bit of an explanation of, I guess, just even the simple IRA, the, the SEP IRA, or are they, do they call that SEP or SEP? Uh, both. Okay. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Um, and so if you were to make the determination in your mind going from an IRA to a 401k, is there a significant cost difference to the company when choosing one or the other? Uh, one of the things you mentioned about the simple IRA was that the consistency of cash flow did not need to be there quite as much. And 
maybe you can kind of give a, a little insight to the differences between them. That's right. Um, a simple IRA and an SCP or SEP IRA are very easy to set up. It's basically like opening up your own IRA. Uh, there's no cost to do so. Um, it's just another form of, um, you know, account that a, a person can have. Uh, the amounts of money that you can put into these, uh, that's kind of the big difference. So a simple IRA, uh, somebody under 50 can put in $12,500 a year. That's what it's at right now. It goes up slowly over time. And then if you're over 50, you can add another 3000 to it. Um, like you said, that's what y'all started out with. It was really easy to set up. Um, you didn't have to do a whole lot, Derek, except for you know, setting up the, uh, the contributions for the, uh, the companies to the employees. Uh, you can have an employer match of, uh, you know, can be one to 2%. Um, so there, there can be a benefit for the employees, but it's really very simple to do. An SEP IRA is a little different. It allows you to put in some more money. Uh, I do have a couple clients that have these. You are able to put in the lesser of 55,000 or 25% of your compensation in as a business owner. And then what that means is that if, let's say, for example, keep nice round numbers, you make 100,000 a year, you can put in $25,000 into this SEP IRA. That's 25%. Uh, if you make a lot more than that, then you could put in at the max 55,000 a year. The issue with this is that if you do have employees, you have to use the same percent for everybody. So let's say that you make 100,000 and you have an assistant who makes 50,000 a year. If you decide your magic number is going to be 10%, then you would put in 10,000 for you and 5,000 for your employee. So this is a great plan for, you know, if it's just a couple people or if it's just the business owner, but if you do have a lot of employees, then the SCP IRA can get very expensive for the business owner. Interesting. And then, so moving on from the IRA to the 401k, I think that there's a, there's an impression in people's minds that that's going to be a significant cost bump for the company. Um, is that the case still the case has kind of the recent climate uh, caused any of that to change or has it been pretty much the same for, uh, is, is, is that pretty much true? Does it hold true today? Right. I, the 401k is going to cost, you know, a couple, a few thousand dollars, uh, maybe two to $3,000 to set up depending on the size and, uh, you know, who you use. I think, Derek, you can attest that the 401k, the biggest difference is the amount of time it takes up. <laughs> it is a little more complicated, and it does require um, you know, some extra paperwork. The 401k companies out there are happy to work with you as much as possible to help you. But yeah, that, I would say it's a bigger time commitment. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to cost a, a couple thousand dollars. Uh, the advantage is that unlike the simple IRA, uh, you can put in you know, up to 18500 and then with a $6,000 catch-up if you're over 50. So you're able to about double what you can put into a 401k than what you can put into a simple IRA. And then also, uh, if you have a bunch of employees, uh, it's going to be easier on the owner. Uh, it allows the owner to put in more money, and yet the, the SEP IRA, uh, you don't have to worry about putting in a lot of money for all the employees as well. I will say the, the, the big advantage for the 401k over the SEP IRA and the simple is that you do allow that um, employer contributions into employees' accounts, but it's a, it's a minimum amount required. Yeah, I will say that um, when we 
transitioned from Simple to 401k, it was a ridiculous amount of um, paperwork and setup that would have been impossible for us to do without your help and the teams that you brought in. I think we're looking at now streamlining a little bit to make the process um, a little more integrated to some of the other services that we're using. But, um, you know, one thing that I'll say to people that are in a similar situation to us, which is we don't really have um, a finance department at core. So, you know, we're, we're relying on people outside of the company to help us and to make sure that the machine runs smoothly. Obviously, we stay in the loop and have to sign important papers and give approvals and that sort of thing. But just for listeners out there that are concerned about, you know, oh, I'd, I'd really like to set something like this up, but it seems so overwhelming and complicated. You know, um, somebody like David um, could be a good person to kind of pull all the different components together. And then there's the, you know, concerns about the legality. And, you know, my wife is a, an accountant and deal with a lot of corporate accounting. And there's always reporting requirements, disclosures, all these sorts of things that the government is expecting. And if you don't stay on top of all that stuff, then you could really get into a lot of trouble. And there are services out there that will be a, um, uh, that will work jointly with you to make sure, you know, they'll reach out to you and say, hey, you need to send this to closure, disclosure to the employees and we can send it for you if you'll sign here. And there's a way to automate the whole process without an, uh, an exceptional amount of cost. Um, you know, the cost to, make it to, to not handling things and reporting things appropriately would be much higher. So um, again, this is one of those times where I recommend having an expert involved. Um, the benefit to us having you involved, David, is that you were um, looking at it from our perspective and how it's going to help us and having sort of a um, an independent voice as far as the coordination of everything so that you knew where we were, you knew enough about our business to be able to know what components to pull together. And that's, that's been really helpful. So with all the good information that we have, I think we're going to split this up over the next two weeks so that we um, don't run too long today. But um, we will pick this back up next week and um, get the rest of the information and look forward to talking to David again All next we week. Do is hop now. Listen to the electronic gentleman today.